you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. What's up, Movement Church? Man, I'm telling you, you chose the right time to tune in. We are in week two of our series, Kingdom Come, and I am expectant and excited about what is going to happen and transpire as we lean into what God wants to do. But before I go any further, I've got to tell you, man, we are making some pretty awesome changes. We are revamping our online church experience, and you are not going to want to miss it. So if you're choosing to watch and engage with church online, Line. At the end of February, you're going to see something totally different. We will have live experiences taking place where our online campus pastors will be there to engage with you live, in person. You'll see them. You can chat with them. They want to pray with you. And in fact, we'll be rolling out online dream team, online connect groups. And the reason is this. We know that in the upcoming weeks, months, and years, we have to have an online presence for people, no matter what age and state of life they are in. So get ready for that. Tune in. I'm telling you, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Well, listen, we are going to dive in. Today, let me just give you a little preempt. Today's going to be a little longer than it normally goes because we're unpacking some content that's, uh, it just packs a punch, but it takes a little bit of time to get this kind of across, the message across. And and you know what? Honestly, uh, Megan and I have a great friend that we have brought in to help us kind of convey this message, help us all understand and grow. But here's what I want to challenge you. I want you to open your heart and your mind today to what God can and wants to do in and through you, nobody else. I don't want you to listen for your friend, listen for a spouse, listen for a boyfriend. I want you to listen for you and and see what God wants to say specifically to you today as we deconstruct the enemy's plan for the world that we live in and open our eyes to the fullness of God's vision for our purpose and our future. And so I want to introduce to you my friend. Uh, He came all the way from Spokane, Washington. This is Josh Bingle. What's up, dude? Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. It's been great to hang out with you the last couple days, and I'm excited for you to be able to impact our church and and really just kind of help us kind of wrap our minds around what God wants to do and is up to. But before we dive into the content, why don't you tell our people a little bit about you and where you're from Mm. and all that good stuff? Uh, My name is Josh. Hey, Josh. And uh, my wife, Carly, and I pastor a church in Spokane called Genesis Church in Spokane, Washington. Home of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, number one team in all the land. <laughs> you guys don't have basketball down here. You have like the Lakers Nobody and stuff. Cares. But yeah, okay. Number one. It's, I mean, that's where we come from. Uh, we're salty about the NBA since the Sonics left. So we don't even watch the NBA. Um, Sean but yeah. Kemp, man. Sean <sighs> Kemp. Rain man, boy. Yeah, come on, Sean <laughs> Kemp. Uh, yeah, born and raised, um, 35 years old. We have uh, uh, two kids, a four-year-old son named Solomon and a two-year-old daughter named Ruth, and I miss them, and they're the best. And we love you. And oh, We love man. being here. Well, man, we're glad you're here. And I mean, these guys uh, pastor a great church, and, and they're just great leaders. And really, Megan and I, over the last, I mean, come on, listen, 2020, what a crazy year. And uh, 2021 is shaping up to be a rival for that championship. We'll see who gets the title in 2022. But, uh, uh, you know, we just were praying through all the craziness of the things that we are seeing, um, especially in, in 2020, from how 
people responded to COVID and how uh, people were responding to uh, what took place in June uh, with the death of George Floyd and the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement yeah. even more so on the scene. And then politics got involved. Isn't that crazy? We're talking about faith, politics. I mean, everything in yeah. between. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was just this kind of polarization that took place in a, in a powerful way. And, and my, my, our challenge was, Megan, I just didn't know how to navigate every aspect of it. But we also saw this kind of something emerging. Mm. We could feel it and sense it. And we were like, what is this? What is fueling such this polarization yeah. and this hate and the challenges that we're seeing? And and man, you you shared some stuff and did a, a whole session, a six session uh, teaching on it. And it blew my mind. Mm. I just blown away by the brilliance that you are. You're, you're also a beautiful man as well, oh, but thanks. blown away by your brilliance. But it just was like, okay, this gave some a name and a shape yeah. to the the turmoil that we are feeling internally as leaders, but also, and first and foremost, as believers. So do me a favor and just speak to this kind of this whole overarching thing that we're seeing emerge right now. Yeah, yeah. I this this conversation that we're having comes from a, a burden in my heart from seeing um, friends that I love and and we're so close to us and specifically like very justice oriented, yeah. compassionate, like God built people that way for right. a reason. And I started seeing people kind of get, kind of get picked off. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it went from like, Hey man, I think the church could do better about this or better yeah. about this to three, four, five, six months down the road going to, I don't even know if I believe if God is real right. or if Jesus is the answer right. or if he is the only way. And it was like blowing my mind going, my goodness, I thought that we were like in this together and I mm. thought we were saying the same things, but I, I came to, to understand that there's kind of like, you did a great job um, last week talking about a historic Christian worldview. And sure. what I realized is, is uh, through tons of reading and prayer and like searching my own heart is that there's just, there is just a very pervasive counter yeah. worldview yeah. that is fueling a lot of, of what we are saying that maybe you feel like you've been kind of playing whack-a-mole, yeah. like trying to deal with with different kind of surface issues. Right. And I'm like, I'm getting exhausted by doing this. Yeah. And so if we can find something underneath that might help us see where all of this is coming from. Yeah. And it led me onto this, onto this path to, um, un to understanding and un unpacking what was going on. Yeah. And, and so I love um, James Lindsay and, and Helen Pluckrose, their language of this, this counter worldview, they're calling uh, applied postmodernism. Yeah. You may have heard of it called critical theory. Uh, it goes by many different names. Yeah. I prefer applied postmodernism because a lot of stuff has different baggage that goes right, with it. Right, and so right. we've chosen that language specifically because I want to serve people and I want to help people. This is not, I love how you said, this is not like us versus anybody. Right. This is not, oh man, I can't wait until so-and-so hears this. This is so that we can keep watch over our own souls exactly, and make sure that we are not blown about by every wind of doctrine. Because that's what we're seeing take place. Yes. Is that exactly that, that exact verse is we're seeing people that are being tossed to and fro I like to use the word fro if fro. I can. Fro yeah. is a good word. Yeah, to you have a fro. fro. I do have a fro. Yeah. It's a short one, but yeah. I have one. It's there. People being tossed to and fro by the winds, the prevailing winds of the season of the cultural climate as opposed to the word of God and yeah. the truth of the word of God. Yeah. And so this is, I think, so timely, but I don't know if people realize that there is actually a name and shape to this. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, you, like we say, you may have heard it called critical theory yeah. or some people toss around like social Marxism. I hate that. It's got so much baggage. Right, right. Like most people say that they've never read Marx and Engels. <laughs> like they've never read any of that. They just heard Ben Shapiro say it or something. So they like <laughs> toss it out at everybody. And, and so this, this language, I, what we were trying to do was give it a name and a shape so you didn't feel like you were swinging at ghosts. Yeah, like, wow. like you didn't feel like you were trying, trying to take a stand, trying to love people, trying to honor people, yeah. but you felt like you were just kind of getting like moved all over the place. Right, right. And so it, we, we started this journey of tracing its, uh, tracing its roots and finding its principles and, and, and so much of the modern social justice movement as we see it right now has it's underpinnings in mm. things that are not Christian thought. Now, mm. if what you just heard was that God doesn't care about justice, that's not what I'm saying wow. at all. God has a very specific vision for human flourishing. Yeah. He has a very specific yep. vision for justice yep. and where injustice exists as yep. Bible-believing Christians baptized by fire, bought with the blood of Jesus. We should be working toward a more just and equitable society. But God has a very specific yeah. vision for that yeah. as delineated in scripture. And I was just seeing many of my friends getting picked off in things mm. that were not Christian thought that had roots in things that promised human flourishing, yeah. but have absolutely no ability to bring about the human flourishing that it promised. It's the same thing that the, that the serpent did in the garden. Right. Take a good desire, a good drive and twist it yeah. and manipulate it. And so this is not to say, and these conversations are not to say that if someone talks about racism, oh, yeah, critical right, theory. No, right. no, 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 no. Right. Where racism exists and it does, it is evil and it is from the right. pit of hell. Right. But what's going on is, is we're going to get into some of this, the power of language and the blurring of boundaries yeah. and, and things are changing so quickly that in order to do the real work, to really bring about freedom that people need, yeah. God had a specific vision for it. And the church has been running that play for 2000 years. Well, and do this, why don't you give us some of the framework, the high level framework of, of applied postmodernism so yeah. that people can kind of wrap their mind around that. And then I, I want to dive into some of those themes because yeah. I think that that is, as I was listening to you unpack this in the teaching you did it was just blowing my mind and i was seeing how not do not only does the body of christ need this i needed it yes yeah, because this this underpinning cultural normative has be, has actually woven its way into the fabric of my yes. life and i didn't even realize that so do just yeah. kind of paint a picture of the framework the core ideas and yeah. the, the themes that are in applied postmodernism yeah and 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 romans 12 too i think might be it's it's got to be top five most important verses for like a 21st century western christian because we just don't realize how baptized into this cultural moment we are yeah. so when paul is appealing to the roman church do not be conformed to this age, yeah. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which I love the way you said it means that I don't always think the right things. Right, right. And so the part of sanctification is renewing my mind to yeah. God's vision for human flourishing as delineated in scripture so that by testing, I can discern what is the will of God. Right. I can test it against when I hear something in the news or where I see a blog post that, that, that pulls at my heartstrings, I can test it against God's right. vision for human flourishing and say, is this really the will of God or was this just tugging at my heartstrings? Mm. And so I love um, James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose were able to kind of um, distill 
uh, two truths and four principles that they have noticed. They're, they're in the academy, they're professors. Um, neither of them, as far as I know, are even believers, mm. but they are even sounding the alarm about how detrimental wow. this is just for discourse and disagreement wow. and moving forward as a nation. Wow. And, and so they were able to identify and distill two, two uh, principles and four truths. So the first being um, the postmodern knowledge principle. Mm. So in this applied postmodern worldview, the postmodern knowledge principle, just, it's just a radical, a radical skepticism about whether or not objective truth is knowable. That is insane to me. So, so that is, that's the underpinning for so many yeah. of the fields of study that are, yeah. that are, that are being, um, um, uh, perpetuated in our universities. Yeah. It comes from this, a radical skepticism about whether or not objective truth is knowable. Yeah. And, the, and again, their idea is, is this is how humans flourish. Mm is that the modern idea, the modern age said that objective truth is knowable. Right. It, it, it dawns with the enlightenment, it moves through the industrial revolution right. where we can measure things now and we have medicine and we yeah. can measure stars and we can put boats on an ocean and cross an ocean. And we started to be able to measure things, this modern idea that objective truth is knowable yeah. and human flourishing is exploding. It's expanding. We're, we are harnessing the power of electricity. This right. is all the modern age, all again to the aim of bringing about human flourishing. This is what all of this comes back to. Yeah. God has a vision for human flourishing and the devil knows it. And so he twists it. Exactly. And he cannot create anything ex nihilo. He can't create anything from nothing. Right. He can just take what God has created and twist it. Yeah. And so God had a vision for human flourishing. And so the enemy does what he can to twist it. So the modern idea being, we can measure things and we can make stuff better. All that did was bring us to World War One and World War Two, yep. where our ability to measure things, we also saw the awesome power of destruction that right, that brought. Right. When our country, you know, we entered the atomic age and dropped two bombs on Japan. And, and then in Europe, postmodernism dawns, mm. which was in direct pendulum swing away from modernism. Yeah where we can measure objective truth and know it to where postmodernism is saying, well, maybe the best way for human flourishing is that there is no truth and truth is what you want it to be. Which is, we're seeing that in a, in a powerful way right now. Truth yes. is what you want it to be. Truth is what you want it. You live your truth, I'm gonna live yeah. mine. And it comes from this radical skepticism because, because the promise of the modern age outside of the kingdom, we wanted the kingdom without the king. Yeah. And we wanted the promise without the promise maker. And we wanted the conditions, the optimal conditions to flourish while rejecting the relationship that made it possible. Yeah. That was the modern idea. And so all that it did was bring destruction. And so the pendulum swing to say, well, if we thought that that was gonna bring flourishing, it just brought destruction. Mm -hmm. Maybe to really flourish, nothing is true and nothing matters and you can do your own thing. Yeah. That's where the radical skepticism about whether objective truth is knowable, which paired with the second principle, which is the postmodern political principle. These all come, um, this one, the postmodern political principle comes directly from Karl Marx. Mm. His idea of, this, of the social constructs and the way that we interacted with people, that's why people will toss out Marxism, but it's just not helpful. Right. Like it's helpful to know where it comes right. from, but it's become right. such a pejorative and like a scare tactic that right. I, I try to avoid it. But his, 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 the way he viewed society, the postmodern pol political principle is that society is made up of different groups of people all vying for dominance and power. Mm. 
And he specifically organized them into oppressor and oppressed groups. And so that's where his economic principle comes from. It comes from his social principle, which is primarily seeing society as divided by different groups of people, which is not how, or different groups of people vying for dominance and power, which is not, which was not God's vision no. for society. It doesn't line up with the historical Christian world. Not at all. all, which is that we are all imagers of God. Right. We are created being imagers of God and objects of his holy love. And we are primarily defined by what unites us and not what divides us. That's what Christianity always has been. And we are united, every human on the planet. We are yep. united by the fact that we are imagers of God. Right. We are united by the fact that we are sinful and in need of Jesus. And we are united by the fact that whosoever will come may. Yeah. That Jesus is available to all. And so the church's vision for human flourishing and moving forward and bringing about justice has always been what united us and not what divided us. But the world we live in right now is polarizing. Yes. And this current, I I like how you say this current cultural moment, it's us and them. It's it's in groups and out groups, yes. if you will. It's the uh, oppressed or the oppressors. And right now, I think a lot of people might be watching and listening and thinking, "Oh, he they're talking about them, right? Or or they're oh, okay, I see what this is. What you're talking about is this. And no, no, we're not pointing at an organization. No. We're not pointing at a political party. We're not pointing at a people group. We're talking about this." underpinning this undercurrent of a cultural value that has become a normative yes. and normal normalcy, but it's not God's design for human flourishing. Yes. So talk real quickly about the, the four themes, because I want to get into two of these, maybe maybe three of them. We'll see how time permits. But I want to get talk about those themes real quickly. Just hit yeah. on them, and then we'll dive into the first one. Yeah, yeah. So the four themes built upon those truths, number one is the blurring of boundaries. So this, this worldview wants to blur boundaries wherever possible because according to their definition, boundaries are inherently oppressive. Mm. So when I put a boundary on something, I am now oppressing you. So we're trying to blur boundaries as much as possible. Mm. We're trying to, we're trying to um, blur the lines such that, such that you are not experiencing any moments of shame, any measure of shame, any measure of conviction, which is why this is a problem in the Christian worldview, because the Holy Spirit convicts us. Unto righteousness. Unto righteousness. He is not, I love how you said, he's not like running around like with this big hammer trying to beat people up. Conviction is always calling you higher. Like condemnation is putting you down. That's the voice of your flesh. You're terrible. You did it again. What is wrong with you? You're never going to get out of this. Whereas conviction of the Holy Spirit is always calling you up and calling you higher higher, but it's within the boundaries of God's vision for human flourishing. And so blurring boundaries is not, is not Christian thought. And, mm. and in case what you're hearing is you're doing life wrong, neither one of us, Pastor Kerry or myself, can tell you what to believe or how to believe it. Right. All we're trying to do is, is present a historic Christian yeah. worldview for God's vision for your life to flourish, for your family, for yep. your kids, yep. for your future, for the people that you love to truly flourish. God had a vision for that. Yeah. And so we're just trying to do what we can to present and maybe help you see and, and interpret what's going on when you're seeing headlines and when you're seeing pop up and you're trying to determine how to respond, there is just a counter worldview that's trying to blur boundaries. Yeah. It's blurring boundaries. The second principle being the power of language. Yeah. That language is inherently oppressive. That language is a tool, they call it language games. Language is a tool used mm. by people in power to continue to keep oppressed people oppressed. Yeah. 
And, and I got it. We're going to keep giving these caveats because in case what you're hearing me say is oppression doesn't exist. That's not what we're saying at all. Yeah. Like oppression is very real and it, and it does exist. And where it does, it, it keeps people from flourishing. And as Bible believing, spirit filled believers where oppression exists, we are called to do justice to the widow and the orphan and to lift people up and to treat people as imagers of God. But what we are seeing is a redefinition of terms and a redefinition of language. Because if I want to change what people think, I start by changing the language. So we're redefining terms, redefining words. It's insane. It is insane, and we're seeing it happen on a regular basis. So do me a favor. We're, we're going to hit on that, I think, in another session. Yeah. And then the other two themes, which are cultural relativism yes. and the fourth being, remind me one more time. The loss of the individual and the universal. So we're going to hit on some of those in our next session, but yeah. also in the conclusion of this series. But just talk for a moment about the blurring of boundaries and give, give maybe an example of some areas where, where this applied postmodernism is trying to blur the boundaries of what might be the historical Christian worldview. Can yeah. you do that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're going um, to get to Psalm 19 in case you're like, is this a TED Talk or is this church? <laughs> we're going to get to Scripture because it's firmly founded and grounded in Scripture. Um, but this, this, the idea of blurring boundaries where we are blurring things um, such that, you know, the historic Christian worldview would hold at very core first principles. Mm. Per- first principles is what we are after. People are like, what's the historic Christian worldview on this, that, or the other topic or idea or like hot button issue? We're, we're at first principles where God had boundaries, and, the, and but boundaries are being blurred and lines are being blurred between, yeah. between man and woman yeah. and, and yeah. to where God said, I created them in my, my image, image, male and female. Yeah. I created them to where, to where now that, that binary is inherently oppressive, mm. to where to, to say that there are, you know, to, to play it out in the news today, to say that God created male and female yeah. and you don't get a choice that was given to you yeah. Like that, that, that boundary is being blurred and that line is being blurred in the name of bringing, in the name of human flourishing. Yeah. It's promising that you will flourish if you just reject these binaries, but boundaries are a blessing. Yeah. Hey, wait one minute. Yes. Let's just pause for a second because right there, that's a challenging topic. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's a little scandalous in 2021 mm. to make that statement. And it can sound like we are oppressors by saying that, yeah. that we don't care about humanity, that we don't care about how people feel and what they're walking through. But that's not what we're saying. No. So, so unpack that for a minute, because yeah. somebody listening right now may have just got like completely fired up, <laughs> threw their phone across the room. <laughs> Maybe you left our church already. I don't know. Yeah. But take a minute, just go rewind for a second and go back to that. You just talked about how God created us, man and woman, in his image, yeah. we don't choose. Right. We don't choose. Yeah. Just, I'm not talking about, you don't have to dive into the wholeness of no, that, no, but no, just no. for a minute, what people might be feeling and sensing while watching. Yeah, we just casually dropped like, you know, gender normatives. <laughs> right, in a, right. Yeah. But the thing, the thing about boundaries is that they are such a blessing. Yeah. And Jesus himself was constantly drawing lines in the sand. Mm. He was That's constantly- That's hard to hear too. It is. And he was saying- like he would say, oh, you really want to follow me? You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> and everybody who he was ministering to, who they were on board for the miracles, he goes, if you really want this, you, if you're about this life, yeah. 
you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. They're like, nah, we're good. Yeah. Or the story of the rich young ruler where he comes and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, he goes, I've done all those things since I was a youth. And he goes, okay, now sell everything you own and give it to the poor and come follow me. And he goes, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And he, like, that's what Jesus was doing, was drawing lines in the sand. The woman caught in adultery. Woman caught in adultery. It's a, there, was a, there was a line in the sand against adultery. There's a line in the sand. But here's what I love about Jesus is that he recognized that on the other side of every policy was people. Mm. And on the other side of every line that he drew in the sand, he loved the people more than he loved his policy. Mm. And I think that's where the church might be getting it wrong in some places is that in, 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 the, in the name of taking a stand for yeah. truth, yep. we're forgetting that the very people that Jesus died for, most of them are on the other side, side of, of those line. lines. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't have the luxury when people are dying and going to hell, we do not have the luxury to sit on the other side of our nicely dialed lines and forget that people are on the other side of that. Right. Jesus said to the Pharisees, I am taking the kingdom from you and I'm giving it to the ones who will produce its fruit because the Pharisees' policies were dialed. Yeah. They knew them in and out and they contended for them because they loved the law of the Lord. But Jesus is like, you are missing it. Yeah. Well, we don't have the luxury of sitting on this side of the line and we don't have the luxury of pushing the line further away. Yes. We don't get to choose where the line is drawn. And I think that's that's exactly what is happening in this cultural moment. Yes. Is it that we've got an entire this sounds like a conspiracy theory. Like there's a group <laughs> of people who have decided to change this, but it's not that. No. It's just a cultural norm that has been a, an undercurrent in our society yeah. for so long we don't realize it. So we also don't have the luxury to push and blur the lines, do we? Right, not at all. Yeah. And, and that's what happens when we are confronted with a boundary. Yeah. We have two options, is we can change our behavior mm. or we can change the boundary. Mm. And it's much easier to change the boundary than it is, the behavior. Than it is to change the behavior. Yep. Yep. And the conviction of the Holy Spirit is such that, that he says, you, you, you have been bought with a price and you've been bought with blood and you're a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king and you, are, you were built for more and yeah. this is not who you are. And maybe a leader called you higher. Yeah. Someone, yeah. A, a small group leader, a pastor called you higher. And according to this cultural moment, for someone to tell you you have violated a boundary is hateful yeah. and it's oppressive and it directly flies in the face of God's ability to sanctify you, which is to conform you to the image of Christ. Mm. And, and so I get, I get, I have two options when I'm confronted with a boundary. I can change my behavior. I can change the boundary. Yeah. And, and, and what we are seeing and what's much easier and what I have been guilty of in so many instances in my life, sure. financially, I'm confronted with a boundary, yeah. honor God. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. First fruits, yep. first and best, 10%. It's much easier for me to change the boundary than to change my yeah. behavior. Yeah. And so I change the boundary and I go, well, God's going to love me anyway, which he will. Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what we are not saying is that God doesn't love you outside of the boundaries of scripture. Mm. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that you can't produce fruit outside of the boundaries of scripture. It's just that inside of these boundaries that God set is the optimal place for you to produce the most pungent and so powerful good. and potent so fruit good. that God put you here to produce. And so these, these boundaries that get placed in scripture, they, they have, they have, far less to do with, with um, like you being a good person and being on God's team and he's gonna love me more as it has, this is the boundaries within which humans flourish mm. and produce the best fruit. And so I personally want to, and I endeavor 
that when I'm confronted, the leadership in my life confronts me with a boundary. I think you're out of bounds here. Yeah. I think you've stepped across. I, 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 this is not good for you. This is not healthy. I endeavor to live life with the humility and climb off of that throne of self. Yeah. That, 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 that throne in my life that mm. only belongs to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that is so easy for me to climb on that chair and say, I know better. Yeah. So the authority in my life reminds me when I can't see it. The word of God reminds me when I can't see it. And then I get the choice. Do I, do I, do I submit to holiness and righteousness and sanctification or do I just move the boundary to where I don't feel yucky anymore? I think that what you're, you're getting at is so profound and it's so challenging right now. Yes. But tell, I mean, there's, there's, I like how you say there's blessing in the boundary. Oh, come on. Can you just take a minute yes. and just kind of go that direction? Let's, Thank you. let's, okay. So we're, we've, we've kind of unpacking here some of the challenges that we're seeing right now. So where do we go with this? Like, what, what do we do? Okay, yeah, yeah. now what, right? Where, what do we do with this? So talk about how there, we do have a, a need for boundaries. Yes, right? yes. My friend, boundaries are a blessing. Right. You know this to be true with like toxic relationships in your life that you've had to set boundaries with. Boundaries are a blessing. Mm. But at the risk of maybe stepping on toes, the boundaries we like, the boundaries we like are the ones that we set in place, not wow. the ones that are set in place wow. for us. Wow. And so I like boundaries yeah. when I get to control where right. they are. Right. I love those kind of boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. There are things in scripture that set boundaries that I don't know if you've ever read a passage of scripture like, mm-mm, yeah, right. I don't like it. Right. I wish that was not in there. Right. I wish what the Bible said was do you. Like yeah. I wish right. that was scripture. <laughs> I, uh, that would be my favorite scripture. I would preach the All pants that. off of that. Yeah. Do you, done. Altar call, moment, let's go. But there is blessing in boundaries. If I was the devil, and I'm not saying that like post, apply postmodernism and critical theory is like from hell. I'm not saying that. It's a different worldview yeah. that the principalities and powers and rulers in high places that have yeah. set themselves up against the plans and purposes of God have realized mm. if I can push this, if I can platform this, then I will keep people in bondage. I will actually yep. keep them oppressed to the prison of self yep. because self is a terrible ruler. Right. Every time. And so there are blessings, there's blessings in boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if I wanted to keep people, if I wanted to keep them from flourishing, I would, I would tell them that boundaries were inherently immoral. Mm. I would tell them that boundaries are a means of, and a tool of oppression to keep you from expressing yourself. Yeah. Self-expression is not a fruit of the spirit, by the way. Self-control mm. is. Wow, 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 wow. We'll just, we'll let that simmer and bake simmer. in your, yeah, yeah, in, 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 in your connect groups. But there's blessing and boundaries. Let's, let's read Psalm 19, 7. And the psalmist says, uh, 7 through 14 in the ESV. And then I, I want to read it in the message because Eugene Peterson was brilliant the way he said it. And, and then leave you with an encouragement. So you're not just like, did I just get shotgunned with like <laughs> everything that's wrong in my life? Psalm 19, 7 through 14. Because in case you are coming from the place of like, Boundaries are the worst and boundaries are keeping me down and boundaries are stopping me from being everything that God wanted me to be, right? Let's talk about boundaries. Psalm 19, seven through 14, the psalmist says, the law of the Lord is perfect, Mm. reviving the soul. Wow. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the precepts of the Lord are right, Mm. rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening to the eyes. 
The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The message says it this way. The revelation of God, the word of God has boundaries. The revelation of God is whole and it pulls our lives together. Feel like your life is all over the place. Maybe it's because you don't have boundaries. The, the, the lie is that freedom comes when there are no boundaries, but freedom is not the absence of boundaries. That's anarchy. That's not freedom. I feel free when I walk on the street in my city because we have some boundaries called, if you kill me, we will kill you back. Right, right, right. That's a boundary that makes me feel free yeah. to, walk, to walk around within the context of those boundaries. Yeah. I've been in places that don't have boundaries. You've been in places that yeah. don't have boundaries. Yeah. Maybe you've been in places that don't have boundaries. You don't feel free. Right. It's anarchy. You're terrified. Yes. It's anarchy. It's exactly right. And, and it's no small wonder to me that, that there is an epidemic of fear and stress and anxiety because, because there are no boundaries and we need boundaries to feel free. You don't feel free outside of the context of boundaries because you're just wandering aimlessly trying to figure out the next move where God gave us a very clear vision. The revelation of God is whole and it pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and they point out the right road. The life maps of God are right. They're showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. There's more, he says, and I love this. God's word warns us of danger. There's danger outside of the boundaries of, the, of God's vision for human flourishing. There's danger, there's enemies, there's, there are principalities and powers. There are dark forces at work trying to keep you in bondage and keep you from being the person that God created. There is danger, there are, there are wolves in those hills. Yeah. There is poison in those yeah. hills. Yeah. It warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way? Mm. How will we find our way? Sheep wandering, Ezekiel 34 says, prophesy to the false shepherds of Israel because my sheep have been scattered to the hills and they've become food for the wild beasts because there was no one to shepherd them. Yeah. Shepherding requires boundaries mm. and living within boundaries. How will we find our way? Do you, do you feel like you're wandering and aimless and lost? Mm. You, are, you are a sheep, friend. That's how God describes you. And one of the most terrifying places for a sheep to be is separated from the flock and the shepherd. Wow. So the boundaries of God, he says, how else will we find our way? Like I just feel a burden by the Holy Spirit right now for, for, for those of you on the other end of this hearing and you're sitting in your home and you've just felt wandering and lost and aimless, the law of God and the boundaries of God and His perfect law and His holy law and His precepts, which you were never good enough to carry. You were never good enough to live up to. So He sent Jesus to die for you. He stepped across those boundaries and He stepped across that line to love you and to bring you back. He left the 99 on the hillside to go for the one and to bring you back. And He says, if you wanna flourish, this is what it looks like in here. 
And while you're on that side, I love you and I'm coming for you and I shed my blood for you. But the Psalm says, how else will we find our way? How will we know when we're playing the fool? So clean this slate, oh God, start fresh. Keep me from stupid sins. You know, those ones, you got stupid sins. Keep me from stupid sins, from thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start this day sun washed, scrubbed clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray. The word of God, the bounty, it's what I chew on, it's what I pray. Accept them when I place them on the morning altar. Oh God, my altar rock, God, priest of my altar. God's word is better than a diamond, better than a diamond set between emeralds. You will like it better than strawberries in spring and better than red, ripe strawberries. It's a blessing in boundaries. It's within boundaries that you flourish. Outside of the boundaries, you don't know who you are. There's danger and there's poison and there's there's wolves that are after you and after your future and after your fullness. And in applied postmodernism, all it does is it's a promise of human flourishing that it cannot deliver on. Only the shed blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ can bring about the flourishing that your soul desires. And that's that's the historic Christian worldview is that within these boundaries, there is flourishing, there is fullness, there is wholeness. So if I was the enemy, I would do everything I could to blur boundaries as much as possible. Hey, right now, I think we just hit a moment and I, th- I think there's, there's people who are watching and, and Pastor Josh just talked to you specifically about the work that Jesus did. And just take a moment and, and help that individual. Maybe you're at a pop-up campus right now. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in our studio campus. But right now, just speak to that person about what, what do I do now? What's the step I take? Where do I go? What's the starting point with Jesus? And walk them into that. Would yeah, you? yeah. And, and maybe you're, you're sitting there and you would be on the other side of one of these lines that Jesus drew. And maybe people who I believe with good intentions said that they represented Jesus made you, made you feel like you had to run even further away from that line. Like, I just want you to know and, and communicate again to you that, that Jesus loves you enough to, to step across any anything that was spoken over you, any, any, any label that you have taken on as this is who I am, any, anything that you have thought makes you irredeemable and too far away from God. So I might as well just keep doing this. My friend, Jesus is passionately pursuing you. And the step is repentance, which means to change the way you think. Maybe the way you think about the law of God is that it's, it's oppressive and it's squashing me but it's, it's, it's the work of Jesus that brings you to life, yep. the real you. Yep. So the step is responding mm. to Jesus to, to say, I recognize that, that I don't know everything. I don't see my blind spots. I'm a sinful person in need of a savior. And so Jesus today, I say, yes. Yeah. And I I am in awe every day in my own life. I am in awe that Jesus loved me enough to save me because I know where I should be outside of his grace. I was on the other side of so many lines Mm. and I grew up knowing the word of God, Mm. but Jesus loved me enough 
He didn't change the line. He didn't blur it. Yeah. He didn't move it. He just, he knew where, right where it was and he walked across it to the, women, to the woman caught in adultery. He said, I'm not condemning you, yeah. but go and sin no more. Yeah. So he didn't blur the boundary in case what you're hearing is, oh, these guys are up here blurring boundaries. Look, you're just blurring it the other way. No, no, no. The boundary is there. Yeah. But Jesus left the 99 to go for the one. He did it at the cross. And so what I would love to invite you into is relationship with Jesus. That sin separated us, but Jesus came to us. You don't have to get back to that line. You don't have to get to the line and then go, I need Jesus. You receive Jesus. And then he is sanctifying you by the power of the Holy yeah. Spirit. He's, yeah. He is conforming you to the, into the image of Christ is the, yeah. is the work of the Holy Spirit and turning you into the best version of yourself, human flourishing the way God saw it. And so I'm just gonna ask you to, to pray. Yeah. And, and all of you who are, maybe you're in a pop-up campus, maybe you're at home sitting on your couch. I, I would love for you to just also pray out loud and we're gonna pray. And if you're saying this prayer for the first time or like we like to say at Genesis, maybe it's the first time again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a rededication yeah. of your life to just incline your heart to the Father and pray in sincerity. Um, let's pray together. Say, Father, Father thank, you thank you for sending Jesus, for sending Jesus. to die for me. I know that I've sinned and I need you. Come into my world. Be my leader. Be my Lord. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use my life to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.